Welcome to Let's Talk Property. I'm Heather Hilda Darling and the show is sponsored by Callaway's Estate Agents. Now, are you as a householder or tenant plagued by mould and damp? Obviously, dampness can lead to structural damage over time and rotting wood is not much fun either because you can get wet rot and dry rot. And obviously, the longer damp is left, the worse the problems of timber decay can be to a property. Now, a couple of years ago, Rent-A-Kill Property Care carried out a survey and found that 5.8 million British renters have experienced damp and condensation issues. You probably know what I'm talking about, some of those little black spots that appear on walls and sometimes, well, particularly outside walls and around windows. It also appears that landlords do assist occupants, especially tenants who've complained about damp, but it can take an average of up to three months to rectify the problem. Now, in March 2019, the Government's Fitness for Human Habitations Act 2018 came into force. This means that there are now 29 criteria which a property must meet to be fit for human habitation. Some of the things we're talking about here include natural lighting and ventilation, as well as freedom from damp and condensation. There are certain properties that may not still have extractor fans in the bathroom. There are now integral bathrooms, i.e. bathrooms with no window, so you can't open the window to let the, the damp outside and the condensation. And these issues have a direct impact on the growth of mould. Condensation can arise from using the shower or the bath. And obviously, sometimes if there's no window, you may not have enough natural light in your, in your property and no reliable central heating. So to stop condensation, it's important for homes to be sufficiently ventilated and heated. Now, I have just the person we need to speak to today with me. I'd like to introduce you to Lee Brown of Bensley's. Hello, Lee. How are you today? Hi, Heather. I'm very well. Yourself? I'm actually okay. I'm sitting in a well-ventilated room. In fact, I'm sitting here with my window open and the uh, the radiator on just ticking over. So nice. I think I'm doing everything I should be doing to stop any mold and condensation in my in my room. How about you? 
Well, I've not got my windows open and our heating's down in our office, so not fantastic today for condensation, unfortunately. Um, and that's definitely a problem, um, which I need to sort out as soon as possible. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm sh I'd love to hear about your background, first of all, Lee. How on earth do you get into a topic such as damp and condensation? Well, um, I'm Brighton-born um, and raised. and uh, I've probably been in the damp industry now over 25 years, so a long period of time. And really, um, it's from my father, um, Brian, who um, started Bensley's in the Brighton area 36 years ago from when I was a child. I used to go along on a Saturday morning and bang a nail and a bit of timber on a Saturday morning works. And that led me from about 1920 to start uh, working for Bensley's full time after college, basically. What did you do at college? How do you actually get into damp and condensation? Are you a surveyor by trade or is it just something that you've learnt over the years? Well, I am a qualified damp surveyor. Um, I've been trained um, for the past 20 years um, to diagnose dampness, uh, woodworm problems, dry rot, uh, specialising in that field. So when I left college, originally I was going to go to university. Um, unfortunately, uh, I had a knee injury, so I was going to do sports science, which put a put a hold on that. A bit and of I a dampener, really. Sorry? A bit of a dampener. <laughs> sorry good, about Heather. that. So sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's a good one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, the uh, university went on hold. And in that sort of interim period, I um, started working for the family firm, Bensley's. Um, and then from working on the tools, a couple of years after working on the tools, I decided to train as doing the surveying to help my dad out doing the surveys. Uh, and that's uh, where I've continued for the last 20 odd years, really. I now specialise in particularly uh, waterproofing on basements, but still deal with the massive condensation problems in properties throughout Sussex um, for various people, renters, letting agents, managing agents, architects. Or the property industry. Tell me, do you have a nose for damp and condensation? I mean, I, I think I've got a particular skill in being able to detect gas. Um, I don't know why I can just detect gas and I've saved many a neighbour with gas leaks. So do you have to have a nose for damp and condensation? Well, I think you do-ish. Um, condensation particularly, um, you can have a, uh, a musty smell that goes alongside the condensation. And I have to say, normally when, we're, when I'm turning up on a, an appointment or a survey at a property, we would probably know before we're going in there if it's likely to be affected by condensation or not, whether that's the issue until we get in there. Obviously, we can't tell, but condensation can be quite common in particular types of properties. Um, so yeah, yeah, you, you 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 get the experience of of um, going to properties and knowing what it's likely to be from the information given. Right. So when you actually get up and go to work every morning, do you know what you're going to be doing that day, or do you sometimes get some sort of urgent calls to go out? We do. Well, I have a diary. I do um, probably six or seven appointments a day. Um, they'll be booked in by my fantastic staff downstairs. So we have fixed times for that, or we'll be collecting keys uh, off of the 
estate agents or letting agents like Callaways and people like that. Um, and then, but there will be um, a potential phone call in the day where a basement's flooded or, or something along that ilk, which we may have to uh, then have an emergency appointment. It doesn't happen often on that sort of scale, um, but normally our appointments are quite fixed in. Um, they're booked in advance. The, the client uh, would contact our office and uh, we will then arrange to, to meet on site or collect keys or whatever, however we're going to get into that property. So do these calls for you to go along and look at properties, are they pretty regular over a year? So do you anticipate more before the winter time or coming out of winter just as spring starts? So for the condensation, there's a condensation season really that will sort of run from about October to maybe beginning of March, end of March, depending on how, how the weather's weather is. Condensation particularly will be more prevalent in the winter months when it's colder outside, um, when people close their windows a little bit more because they want to keep the heat in. We may have that extra 10 minutes in our bar to get ourselves warmed up. All the things that we, we do to try and warm ourselves up in the winter, but we, we trap that moisture in the building. So the condensation surveys particularly will run from the October end of February time. But what would you say you enjoy doing the most? you like the the client contact do you actually like being able to detect where an issue is what's your favorite part of the job um i think it, it, it i get to see a lot of the countryside i see a lot of various properties um i can be looking at a, a one-bedroom studio in the morning and then looking at a 20-bedroom mansion in the afternoon um so my day is always varied i enjoy diagnosing the problems picking out and finding the problem. So there, there's often dampness in buildings that people can't understand where it's come from. And often, well, and hopefully all the time, we can we can find them problems and diagnose it to, to remedy the issues. So you're a regular Sherlock Holmes, really, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe a damp detective, but I would <laughs> A damp detective. That. I like that. that. I like that. that. I'm going to write that down, a damp detective. Fantastic. Maybe I should, maybe I should put that in my paperwork in the future. That might be a, a good slogan. <laughs> so the sorts of jobs that you're currently working on, I mean, you've just said it goes from really the sublime to the ridiculous one beds, 20 bed plus. Um, yeah. So currently, what, what sort of properties are you working on? Do you work on office buildings as well? We do, yes. Um, I think we're working in an office building not far from your uh, office in Church Road in the next couple of months and the solicitors where they've got some dampness in their basement. Right. Um, so that's been diagnosed. Um, we've been booked in by the client to do that works. But, mm -hmm. for instance, this morning and over the past week, I'm designing waterproofing on a major new site in Rottendean where there's... 50 plots of houses and each plot needs a little bit of different waterproofing designed because of construction lift bit construction designed for waterproofing so it, it completely varies from as i say condensation of one job um, to waterproofing a nice big mansion in another in the countryside somewhere now you mentioned um a couple of minutes ago flooding how, how much and I know a lot of properties are built on floodplains nowadays um, through our work with some of the larger developers. And I mean, even smaller developers, if they don't get all the, 
you know, environmentals done properly um, and concisely, then there could be problems. How much of your work is divided between um, the condensation and damp and flooding? Or are you seeing more of a proliferation of flooding, especially as climate change is affecting us all? Well, definitely, I, I think in the last five to six years, maybe a bit longer, um, the weather conditions are a lot different. I remember when I was a kid, um, there would be hosepipe bans um, because there wasn't not, not enough water. Um, but nowadays, it seems to, when it rains, it, it, it rains for strongly in a long period of time. The, the good thing is on new basements or new properties that have been built, um, there's new British standards that have come in and are being updated all the time. In fact, in fact, I think they've been updated this year to take into account the waterproofing systems and what they should be doubling the systems up, basically. I think uh, going back 10 years ago, the most problems with new build basements was flooding. So there, there was a big cost involved in that. Um, Times of year depends on the survey. So again, today I'm, I'm specimen three new basements where the waterproofing it needs to be done. But I've also done a couple of uh, down in Bognor, a couple of um, conversation surveys as well. So yeah, I, I would say the conversation surveys are a lot more this time of year. I would say there's about 25, 30% are conversation surveys this time of year, whereas in the summer, probably only about five or 10%. Do you have to wear specialist equipment yourself when you're going into properties? Because obviously, I mean, I, I would like you to give me um, an indication of the difference between condensation and damp at some point. But I, I, I can I can sort of picture you going in with uh, masks on and um, waterproof clothing. Am I correct or am I totally off, off the wall? I would say... That not often. I, I think there's been one or two surveys where the mould has been bad enough that there was a concern about the mould spores in the property, and that 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 was a property that had been flooded, left for a long period of time, and that allowed a lot of mould to manifest in the property. Um, obviously, we're still really in our pandemic with COVID, so masks are still being worn anyway um, for that on surveys obviously if i'm going to six or seven properties a day i want to keep myself safe and my clients safe um but we realistically with the mold spores they are they are problematic particularly for people that are unwell or have got breathing difficulties um but you will breathe mold spores in walking down the street um it, but if they're in a, in a in a building and there's a lots of them there's there will be mold spores more around so it's making a risk assessment before you're going into the building, but not we don't we don't, we don't have to wear sort of uh, protective ovals and things like that, no. No, okay. Gosh, it's scary all these um, mold spores and viruses they can be, yeah. going around, can't yeah. it? Well, oh. in America, they they uh, there's, there's lots of studies on mold spores. Um, unfortunately, in the UK, there's not been a massive amount of studies on mold spores and how that detrimental that is on people's health. But obviously, obviously, we don't really want to be breathing in lots of spores if we can help it. No, exactly. Come aboard, sister. Right here, Reefer. So let's just go back to your, your company. Your dad, mm -hmm. Brian, started it over 36 years ago. Are there any other members of the family in the business? Well, there is. So Benzie's actually, Benzie's name goes back over 100 years, actually. Um, we, they originally started as a timber importer, which led them to do preservation of timber, woodworm treatments and that, that type of uh, treatment. Um, that led them to doing the damp proofing works. Um, and then... Benzies were bought out by 
a company, well, a big company, Juicens. And then 36 years ago, they decided they didn't didn't want the damp proofing division. And my dad and his ex-business partner took over the company, moved it back down to Brighton. And then um, I started working from about 25 years ago, as I say, ignoring my Saturday morning, earning a bit of pocket money, going to a, a property with my dad, maybe. Um, and my brother also works for the firm. He is our, our foreman. Um, he, he deals with all our technical waterproofing on site. He's been working for us, uh, I would say, probably 20 years as well, I would say. Gosh, that's a lot of awards for long service, isn't it, of, in the family? Yeah, well, we're a family firm. There, yeah. there's, um, downstairs, we've got um, Debbie, our accounts manager, um, who's worked for us on, uh, for over 26 years. We've got Becky and Cara, uh, mum and daughter. There, there was an uncle and nephew that worked for us. There's a, an uncle, another uncle and nephew that worked for us. So we're, we're a, a real family firm. Um, most of the people working for us have been working for us for at least 10 years. There's a couple of new young lads. Yeah. But there's some people that have been working for us for sort of 30 years. Our oldest blaster is who's been working for us that period of time. How would you say the industry has changed over the time you've been working for it? I mean, obviously, there's a lot. We, we've got a lot smarter at detecting these sort of things and understanding the effect that it has on people's mental health, etc. And just the fact that it can really spoil um, clothes and personal items. How has the industry changed? Is it for the better or for the worse? I would say definitely for the better. I would say when I first was working, the there were it was a lot less technical conversation. We you, you would um, be just telling people to well, landlords would be tend to tend to be telling people just to ventilate their property. It'd be fine. Let's just open a window, basically. Um, whereas now we can go into properties and test the relative humidity, i.e., how much moisture is in the air. We can measure the dew point on walls to see if it's at risk of condensation with special meters. Um, we can take samples of plasters and send them off for analysis to see how much moisture content's in them. So I would say it's, it's definitely changed for the better. I think people are now looking after their properties better. Um, landlords who own lots of properties may, may have in the past not looked after them as well, but now they definitely look at it as an investment and want to keep their properties in good condition. Um, and people are more informed, obviously, with the internet. People, uh, tenants or occupants can look online, Google whatever they need to Google and find out information themselves. Um, so you, you need to have the right information to give them to, to make sure we can try and solve the problems. And, and I suppose as well with landlords, now we have these EPC ratings that we have to have, we have to adhere to if we're renting out a property. It's even more important that you can identify what is perhaps contributing to a lower EPC rating than, than could be had if the property was being properly maintained and updated. Definitely. Um, it's difficult. New build construction, they shouldn't have any issues with ventilation or heating but when you've got old buildings in Sussex and Brighton Hove, Eastbourne, Worthing where there's a lot of old stock of buildings it's very difficult to upgrade a wall structure that's made of particularly in Brighton for instance of the the bungaroosh type of walls so flint rubble chalk whatever they could throw in them it's very difficult difficult to warm them walls up um, and obviously it's also difficult to 
um, change buildings. There's lots of listed buildings in Brighton Hove and the surrounding areas. There's lots of conservation areas. So you, you're limited to a certain extent of what you can do. Um, but it's trying to sort of get that balance between looking after the buildings, keeping them watertight, but also ventilating them as well. Exactly. Some of the risks and rewards when you go out and about um, from your own perspective, can you say how many perhaps the proportion of properties that you go to are an easy fix? And, um, you know, what are the rewards for the landlords or the homeowners when you find actually they don't need to spend thousands and thousands of pounds of money? It's something that perhaps they'd they just totally hadn't thought about. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, it is rewarding. To, uh, generally, people are phoning or contacting Benzies uh, to because they have a problem. So really, we wouldn't be going around there if there wasn't a problem or a problem in the the occupant's mind anyway. Um, and I would say there may be one in five or six surveys a day when it may be something as simple as uh, there's a tiny bit of conversation behind a, a little chest of drawers move it away from the wall a little bit, little bit and it will get some ventilation and airflow to that wall structure. And then you can go to another property um, that may need the whole ground floor damp in because there's no other damp proof course in there or is a failed one and it needs complete treatments. Um, so it is nice to say to a client if there isn't a problem, then they're, they're often shocked if there isn't a problem and it's a simple fix, I have to say, because most people are expecting the worst when they, they call out a specialist like ourselves to go and look at some damp issues or other issues like dry rot or wet rot. Well, obviously, it's in the uh, property owner's interest to keep their property um, in a fit state, isn't it? Because the more you let these things slip and slide, the more money eventually you'd have to put. It's like a stitch in nine, I suppose, isn't it? Definitely. And, and realistically, for most people, the buying of their flat or house is going to be the most expensive thing they they purchase in their lives. And and. Um, you, you want to look after that investment. If you're spending £250,000 on a flat, um, you don't want to, want to ruin it by not looking after it. And again, but sometimes if you're, again, if you're buying a flat, you're at some control of the, the agents or the freeholders if you're not, if not that person who's in charge of it. So you, you've got to rely on the, on the building being looked after. But yes, it, the more you look after the property and deal with deal with the issues as soon as you can, the better it is for it. The longer you leave it, the potential is it could lead to other problems. And one of the most serious things that we deal with is dry rot. It's definitely something you don't want in a building. It's expensive to deal with. It's a messy job to deal with. We've got to use chemicals that we don't want to have to use unless, unless we have to. Um, so definitely looking after your building, cleaning your guttons out, um, maintaining it all the time is a good thing. Now, you just mentioned dry rot and uh, wet rot. Can, can you tell me the difference? How would a homeowner know the difference between the two? Well, I have to say, if you've got any rot, I would definitely recommend you get a specialist to look at that because self-diagnosis on rot can be difficult. And it can even be difficult for a specialist like ourselves to, to, to confirm the type of decay in a timber. The, the basic rule of thumb with wet rot decay is if you remove the moisture source, whatever that may be, a leaking radiator pipe, um, a leaking roof, in theory, the rot won't get any worse. It won't repair itself. So you may need to replace the timber, but it shouldn't keep on growing. Whereas dry rot is, is a particularly uh, 
virulent fungus uh, that will continue to grow in the building. It, it finds other moisture sources and it, it won't go away in itself. It, it won't die off, basically, or it's unlikely to die off. But you, you will be really unlucky, obviously, I see dry rot on a, on a daily basis, but you're really unlucky to get it in a building in these certain real certain conditions to, to, to manifest and germinate. So is there a difference between damp and mould? Um, yes. Um, dampness can affect a building many different ways, from leaking pipes, uh, drainage, leaking roofs, gutters, water penetrating out around windows through walls, defective renders, or even rising damp. Whereas mould is a is a more related to condensation. Now, condensation is it probably affects more properties than the other types of dampness as I previously described. And mould would tend to grow on condensed moisture that's formed uh, in properties from normal normal activities that we all do us talking now moisture is being evaporating out of, out of us as we breathe it's going into the atmosphere um, we need to try and remove that moisture laden air um, we need to try and um, warm properties up um, we don't want the temperature dropping too cold because as the temperature drops that moisture that's in that warm air condenses on a cold surface so windows cold walls behind furniture um so by removing the condensation we shouldn't have that mold forming the mold is a result of the condensation basically okay so um things like the things that maybe tenants or we as householders do ourselves in the winter time we dry clothes in areas that perhaps we shouldn't i mean i know a lot of radiators often say do not cover and mm -hmm. yet people put clothes on radiators even in bathrooms you know you've just had a shower for example you've got a soaking wet towel and then you hang your towel over the radiator this can't be helping can it Oh, definitely not. We all do it. I do it, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. Um, I have to hold my hand up as well. <laughs> we all we all do. Um, the, the, it's difficult if you're living in a in a second floor flat. Where do you dry your clothes? Where where do you take them? Um, we we the glib answer would be to try and get a take it to a laundrette or uh, a um, a tumble dryer in the condensed tumble dryer. But it is hard. It is hard to to, to manage condensation. Bathrooms, if we've got good extractor fans in there that will turn on and stay on for long periods of time, or long enough anyway, that will remove the moisture laden air, that will stop it spreading around the property. But it, it, it's a lifestyle property that problem. If we go back to the Victorian days, we had old old sash windows where there were gaps in the windows and the moisture would go around around the edges or up old fireplaces in the flues. But we we have double glazing in properties which seal our properties up. We, we don't have open fireplaces as much these days. So it's, it's a modern problem. We've got to bear in mind, that, again, if we're talking about Brighton, um, but Worthing, um, lots of the properties are 150 years old. Um, they're not designed to be lived in with not big, powerful showers um, and lots of cooking that we may do nowadays, more, more so than in the olden days. So condensation is a very difficult problem to deal with. So if you go to see a client and you know straight away that they're, for example, they're not opening the windows once when they've had a shower, they're hanging, washing over a radiator, how do you have that conversation with them? Because let's be honest, there are condenser uh, tumble dryers now, which you can find a place for possibly 
could be in any room, couldn't it? They could almost be in a bedroom and you tip all the water away. I'm not saying that I would recommend that, but there's no real reason to hang clothes up in a room for it to get you know, full of damp and, and, and everything else. So how do you have those conversations or do you just hand out a brochure to people? Well, no, we try to discuss with the, the occupant, whether it's the homeowner or tenant, um, on, on ways they can help to reduce it. Um, obviously, tenants will be limited on things they can do to the actual building. So if, if, the, if, the, if the property they're in hasn't got an extractor fan in their bathroom, then we will be going back to the landlord or landlady or the managing agent and saying, look, if you can get an extractor fan in here to help remove the moisture, that's going to greatly help this property. Um, and but yes, if we, we would try and point out um, on site if there is towels drying and radiating and clothes, and, and as I say, I would say virtually every property I go in, there will be some clothes drying on something. It's contributing to the conversation, it's not necessarily the cause of it on its own, but it's adding to the conversation in the property, which then could be leading to that mold growth that may be forming on the walls or the bathroom ceiling. Um, so to, to advise the occupant, look, by moving that, by not having that clothes drying inside, you're going to reduce some of your conversation. It's all little bits and pieces with conversation. It's not necessarily one thing. It's a combination of lots of stuff, lots of moisture being produced from various sources and trying to reduce all of them if you can. Well, I, I'm of the age that I remember the single um, glazing in windows, etc., and getting up in the morning and the windows were absolutely dripping um, with condensation and mum going round them all with a rag, you know, to sort yeah. of remove all the, 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 the damp, etc., and in fact, what we've done now, we've got double glazing and in some cases, triple glazing. Um, the introduction of these trickle vents is there for a purpose, is it not? And maybe some of us don't recognise what they're for, because if you stand underneath maybe a fan light with a trickle vent, which is open, you do feel obviously a little bit of a draft. And perhaps a lot of people think, oh, there's a draft. I'll, I better shut that. I better keep the, keep, keep the window closed. And in actual fact, we're not doing ourselves any favours, are we? Definitely not. Um, we, we, the trickle vents and windows are a great thing. Um, but I would recommend the trickle vents are basically left open all the time in the, in, in, the, in the winter, unless it's absolutely freezing outside, and then maybe open your window for 20 minutes just to get that air changed. But if you can leave the trickle vents open, that's, that is a good thing. Um, if you're having new windows installed, I would go to your glazing specialist and say, can I have trickle vents in, the, in these windows? Or you can get the windows that are open but locked so they will act the same as a triple vent. Um, so going back to wiping windows down, if you are suffering from condensation, and there still is properties in, in Sussex that will have lots of properties that still have single glazing because they may be in a conservation area, they can't have double glazing. I would recommend that get into a routine in the morning and wiping them down with a with a towel or a rag or get one of these uh, fancy karcher window uh, cleaning devices. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good thing. But what not to do is then put that towel or that rag on a radiator and dry it on, on the radiator because they're just introducing the moisture back into the room as it evaporates out of the towel. So no, I, that I, I, Yeah, I think the key phrase here is a radiator cannot dry clothes and heat a room at the same time. Oh, definitely not. No. And, <laughs> and you're going to reduce your heat in the room as well. If you've got a towel or something blocking that heat to come off, yeah. you take, if, you, if, you, if you're blocking that heat, then obviously it's also making the room a little bit colder as well. 
So you mentioned the kercher there for cleaning yep. the windows. What what tools do you use in your daily life going around and checking for damp and mould? Are there some that you particularly use all the time or particularly specialists in your industry? So I would say probably most surveyors, not just damp surveyors, but charter surveyors who do building surveys, surveys will have a, uh, a conductive meter. So a conductive meter um, basically reads the conductivity of a, a, of a surface. Now, all walls will have a small electrical charge in them. And when that conductive meter tests the wall, it forms a circuit and you will get a certain reading on that wall structure. Now, there's a, there's a range that we want. Um, to that would indicate it's not damp, but basically when there's moisture in that wall, the the, the conducting meter will get a higher reading because the electricity moves around a little bit quicker, and that that would indicate that there may be an issue there. So that them type of meters is our, our bread and butter that will be in our hand on most surveys, I would say. But we also have in this time of year we have a, a hygrometer, so that will read the uh, the relative humidity in the room or, or in the building. And basically, the relative humidity is, is, is how much moisture is in that air. And we want that below a certain percentage, around about 65, 70%. We want it below that. If it starts going above 70%, then that would indicate that the property may have some issues with condensation. And we've also got a, uh, a surface, basically, laser that tests the, uh, the temperature of the wall which will also indicate whether it will be susceptible to condensation, whether it has a, uh, a, a mathematical um, algorithm in the, in the meter that shows where the dew point would be if moisture would form on that wall if, it, if, it's, uh, if condensation is going to be in that room. So we, I have them three meters. We also have um, torches and things like that for looking in roofs and basements. But there, there is fancy meters where we can test the actual sample of the walls is called a speedy meter, which has a carbide powder in there, which actually creates a vacuum with a plaster sample and will measure the a true percentage of how much moisture is actually in that plaster. So we would use that only on, um, on when there's it's not clear cut of what the dampness is being caused by. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Heather Hilda Darling on Let's Talk Property. And my guest today is Lee Brown of Bensley's. And we're talking all things condensation and damp. So returning to the subject, Lee, insulation, does that have any effect on condensation and damp? Definitely. We want our houses to be as warm as possible in that they retain the heat. We don't want to lose our heat through wall structures or through loft spaces or through windows. So the warmer the property is, the less likely condensation will form, albeit that we don't want the property too hot. We want to retain our retain our heat at a, a sort of a constant level. Ideally, we want in the in the winter months if we can keep the temperature around about eighteen to twenty degrees Celsius, it's less likely to have condensation forming on wall structures. Then this is fascinating. I didn't. Know. <laughs> I was wondering what sort of questions were going to come up sometimes, but I just got so many that I want to ask you, Lee. Um, no so <laughs> when you go into a property, are there any particular hurdles? I mean, supposing you go in and it's an old property and they've got some of the really old furniture against the walls and maybe they've got crittle windows. How do you overcome those hurdles? Well, it is difficult because... Um, if, for instance, I'm, uh, I, we do a lot of uh, pre-purchase surveys, so um, 
if someone's buying a property, their mortgage may pick up that they're, they're concerned there's dampness in the property and they may want to have a survey done to see if there is dampness, what dampness it is and how much it may cost them. Obviously, if we're walking into someone's property, uh, the current owner may not want their nice uh, sofa moved out the way for us to look at that sectional wall. Um, so we have to have that caveat in our reports when we go back to our clients to say, look, unfortunately, we can't get to that sectional wall because the large sofa or a large chest of drawers or a wardrobe or whatever it may be. And then that 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 client will need to take a take a risk of saying, oh, hopefully it's OK, or potentially ask the owner if we can come back and move things out the way. It is difficult. If you've got an old property with critter windows, they're going to condensate quite badly, I would suggest. They're freezing cold. It's the, the moisture laden air, the condensation will head to the coldest area or coldest surface, and then that moisture will come out the air. It's a bit like when you get into a car on a cold day. Um, you get in the car first thing in the morning, like I did this morning. It steamed up. I sat in the car for five minutes with the fan and heater on, and it clears. You need to do that on a grander scale, really, in our properties. Well, I left the car at home this morning and decided decided to walk in to work instead. I thought it would probably be quicker. <laughs> well, well, in fact, it's not great, is it? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of your work involves project planning. How on earth do you go from, you know, going round to see the client, agreeing with them that something needs done? And how do you then go about planning the project it can't necessarily all be done at one time presumably you may have to do it over several weeks or months can you just explain a little bit how that works well yes so as you know um, uh, say for instance a property is in a basement area it's below ground level and it's affected by penetrating damp from the pavement there would be the initial step would be obviously the client asked us to go around to diagnose that if they're happy with what we're saying and want to go ahead with that works, we will get them instructions. From then, we will look into the uh, our work schedules and see when our next available dates are. Um, liaise with either the homeowner if they're living there or if it's a landlord or, or normally often with the tenants because obviously they're the people that may be living there and what's convenient for them. We would explain basically the time scale. So it can, it can take anything from two or three days to a month worth of work depending on the size and scale of the job. And it's explaining the different stages. I have to say the mo works are not easy. They're disruptive. If we're working in someone's bedroom, realistically, that bedroom is out of use whilst that work goes on. There's drying times in between different layers of materials, different membranes, different plasters, and they all need to cure before you go on to the next step. So it's, it's, it's explaining to the, the clients of, of the limitations of that room what we need before we get there. Obviously, if they've got a in a kitchen, then they're going to have their kitchen for a couple of weeks. They may need to come out. So it's trying to manage that, that expectation of, of works. We're, we're quite used to, we have a, we, we're quite, obviously, we, we, we're doing this all day, every day. We, we may start 10, 11 jobs per week. So they're, they're, we follow a particular sort of schedule on them lines. Um, so, so it's easy for us to do it. It's difficult for the people living there. It's, it's, for us, it's our daily job, although I'm not actually doing the work. So obviously, I'm only uh, doing the surveys. Um, for, the, for the occupant, it's, it's hopefully a one-off for them and um, it, it can disrupt their lives quite a lot, I have to say. So what are the daily highs and lows that you get in your in your role? Um, I think the daily highs are obviously um, 
we are a business. We want to to make money. Um, we want to get work in, but it's got to be the right work, and it's got to be the the right diagnosis. We want to. We're professional. We're honest. We want to make sure we're diagnosing the initial problem correct. Firstly, that's the most important part of it, and the satisfaction at the end of a job where you you, you may have be converting someone's basement from a store area um, into a big cinema room uh, they they may be using it as another bedroom where they their, their family's grown um, in london particularly they they are excavating houses a lot uh, downwards instead of going upwards which was traditionally sort of 20 30 years ago people would convert their lost spaces now in in places like london and in sussex uh, it's getting bigger and bigger where people are digging down and having a a basement room a games room or, or as i say just a bedroom or a bathroom so it, it, it's expanding them houses which is which is a good thing it's using space and the lows the lows can be anything from um well particularly this 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 past couple of years um you you may turn up to do a job or, and get a phone call the night before the tenant or the homeowners has COVID and you, you have to then find other places to send them operatives or operative or plasters elsewhere. Um, you can you can start a job one day and the following day you can't go back into the site because they're, 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 there's a COVID outbreak and then that, that person's left with half a job done until... The isolation period, which I know is now cut down to five, but um, it's still it's still a long period of time in between between uh, jobs. Basically, it's a it's a fun job to do. I get to see lo- lots of different places. I've been in the Brighton Dome. I've been in the Royal Pavilion to do surveys. I've been in lots of old churches, a thousand years old churches. Um, so it, it, it's a, it's a very varied day. No day is the same. I would say. Well, I was down at Glastonbury last weekend and the Glastonbury Abbey, which had been sort of uh, pillaged years ago. I tell you, the bricks there looked absolutely fantastic. Apart from a few weeds growing between the bricks, it didn't look as though there was any damp there at all. So we really need to... The, the older buildings, I have to say, are built very well. Um, the, we have a problem with buildings sort of from the 1970s to the uh, mid-85, which are not so well built. Um, and now the bridge stands are all much better. There's a much more thorough inspecting of properties to make sure they're built property, properly. Um, but old, old stock houses are very good. The Victorians are very good builders. Um, the Edwardians were very good builders. They're all, they're all good buildings, but they can suffer from damp issues, unfortunately. Mm. Now, I think the fact that you've said that obviously lockdown has affected your business and I think it's made it very difficult to plan ahead. I mean, all you can do is do what you can do, basically. Has it had any made you perhaps change your modus operandi? Have you introduced different kinds of software? You're a business like you know any other business, really, and a lot of us have had to adapt. How have you adapted over those last two years? It has been difficult. I think the, the the whole construction industry has suffered and prospered a bit of both, I would say, in that the people are now looking at their houses and when they spent a lot of time, like I did in the first six weeks of lockdown in 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, where you're like, you're in your house, stuck in your house, you're looking at things and thinking, oh, is this going to happen again? Should I improve my house? Should I make it better? Because we're worried that it may happen again, lockdown. Hopefully not. Um, so I think people are now looking at their houses more as an investment and looking after them better and extending them and, and making them better. 
which would include if they had a damp problem where they may have sat and looked at it for six months, wanting to finally get that done uh, or dealt with. Um, Software-wise, um, our industry obviously is uh, quite a people person. We have we have to be personable with people. I have to go to people's properties realistically to diagnose the problem. Whilst I can look at photographs or maybe a video, it's not the same as doing a, a on-site visit. Um, but there is a lot more works where we do from tenders. So um, it may be a new build tender where I can diagnose or uh, um specify a waterproofing system without going to site um, from our optives also where we would uh, previously have them in every day give them paperwork we now can send their their plans to their mobile phones um, the reports will be sent to their mobile phones if they're going to a client so they don't necessarily need to come to the office as much as maybe they would have done five years ago or two even two years ago yeah, no, I think we've all had to adapt so amazingly. And um, I think it's come as a bit of a surprise to many of us that how quickly we did manage to adapt. And certainly, you know, in your line of business, you still need to have that personal relationship with people because actually you might be giving a homeowner um, bad news regarding the cost of improving yeah. uh, something that you, know, you, do, you don't feel as though there's a benefit in it. Of course there is because the property uh, remains far better structurally. But telling somebody they've got to pay out, I don't know, what's the average, um, what would the average damp solution be? Or is that too difficult to say? Well, it can, it can be anything for £400 to... Mm -hmm tens of thousands of pounds to exactly it is, it, when we, we often get asked oh could you tell us how much it would cost to damp proof this this house mm. but without without seeing inside the house it's difficult to, to give a price without being there mm. we can give metered rates but again they're they're so varied because you don't know the, the fiction fittings you need to remove they may have a ten thousand pound kitchen in front of the wall that needs to be taken out um to to nothing taken out so it, it is difficult um it, it, you really have to go to the properties and as as callaways have done before to us uh, can you tell us what this type of dampness is um uh, it, from a picture it may be a bit of mold on the wall and it may just be condensation and i say just but condensation is not necessarily easy to deal with mm. but it may also be other issues it may be a leaking downpipe or something that we need we can't see from that photograph so we, we do prefer in, in most cases to go to sites so we can get the right diagnosis and give the right um, prognosis of what needs to be done to fix it, basically. No, I, I understand the difficulty. It's like, you know, when you get a building quote, very often the builder will say, well, it's going to cost X. But if we find there's X, Y, Z behind it, it's going to cost even more. So yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, if you could wave your magic wand or maybe I should be saying if you could wave your hygrometer, um, <laughs> what, would, <laughs> what would you do to change or improve the industry at the moment? Well, I think it is improving. We, uh, Benzies are, are members of the Property Care Association, which is um, the trade association for damp proofing and wood preservation. Um, it's been around a long time, but they have uh, lots and lots of code of practices that we, ha we have to adhere to. Um, training, basically, education and training for the, 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 op uh, the operatives, the, the, the secretaries, the secretaries who, who work here, they're brilliant. 
they, they, they could possibly give a diagnosis over the phone and say, oh, it may be this, but we need to obviously go out and have a look. But I think education and training is the most key in, in all construction, I think, um, or any, any, any walk of life these days. Exactly. And how, what would you do to encourage people to join this industry? I mean, it's certainly not, well, if you've got an interest in water, come and join us, is it? So what sort of, what, what sort of benefits would you give to people about joining an industry such as yours? Did, would they have to have a, a chemical background or just learn on the job? As, as by the sound of it, you did years ago with your dad. I did. I did. I did some training. Well, I did lots of training when I was younger on the tools where I would um, go to the, we, we were approved contractors for many uh, manufacturers and they would take us to their factory and uh, train us how to use their products, um, applications or even come to site. They often came to site to do on site training. And that, that, that still that still happens with, uh, with um, our guys. Um, as I say, most of them have been working for us for a long period of time, but there is two or three young lads who, uh, who joined us last year and they're training on the job at the moment. Um, they're on a sort of a six month period of, of on seeing if they like it before we start sending them off onto, onto proper, proper courses as such. You can get uh, MVQs for damp proofing technicians um, uh, through the Property Care Association. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting job. Um, as, as yours is, you go around to see lots of different people, different properties. If you'd like speaking to people, then, then you will be talking to – I meet six, seven new people every day, generally. Um, I will meet architects and clients. Um, I'll go into a muddy site and not want to go on there. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, so a good pair of wellies is absolutely yeah, necessary. Yes, definitely. I, okay. I was standing on the site in Rotterdam the other day when the, the 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 wind was howling across, and I was waiting for the architect to turn off freezing. Um, and then we went into the nice warm site office. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish you had told me that about half an hour before because oh. I would just wasted in there. Oh, so okay. yeah, you get to get to go to lots of different places. Your your day will probably never be the same. And um, we have quite a few nice nice benefits of Benzies. We, we we're quite a relaxed company, quite a friendly company. That's, that's lovely. Now, uh, do you know what Lee? We've been chatting for so long, I hadn't even noticed the time. But oh um, <laughs> uh, but let's just to sort of as before we close off and we find out where people can find you if they've got an issue they want you to look at. Just imagine that tomorrow you're called into it. Better be socially distant. Still, I think a yeah. government meeting to discuss issues caused by poorly built or poorly maintained property which are susceptible to mould or damp. So what would your top three recommendations be to the government to start implementing maybe different standards or different things that they should check beforehand? If you could just give me your top three, that would be great. Well, it depends really. If you're looking at new build construction, in theory, the ventilation heating should be top standard so there shouldn't be any issues on new build in theory as long as it's implemented right by the by the main building contractor but if you're looking at um properties in sussex so anything from little hampton worthing brighton eastbourne there is a lot of old stock of properties so it's very difficult to upgrade wall structures um that are solid walls that you can't upgrade necessarily easily or cheaply but if we can insulate our properties better as much insulation and a high grade of insulation in lost spaces um, on wall structures on the inside potentially or even on the outside you can put insulation on the outside um, if we can get good windows 
good double glazing, good ventilation in them windows, so triple vents, as we discussed earlier. Extraction of air in bathrooms and kitchens is central. So building regulations these days, you have to have them in uh, new properties. But obviously in an old building, it's not necessarily you've got, to retros- you've got to have them in there, but retrospectively, I definitely would recommend them. And the best ones you can get, spend a little bit more money on a stack control fan that turns itself on and off um, without you having to remember to turn your bathroom light on and off to turn that fan on would make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's trying to do all them things. There's a there's simple things that owners can do, even putting a bit of cold water in your bath before you fill it up with warm water, that reduces the steam massively. Um, so, But ventilation, heating is the most important criteria with, with properties um, to reduce condensation particularly. Wow, I didn't think it, I, I didn't realize you'd come up with quite so many. I think that's fabulous. Thank you. And I'd had never heard that one before cold water in the bath first. Cold water, yeah. That's, cold that's water a in the pretty bath. simple one. I always put yeah. the cold water in afterwards. So I've obviously well, been yes. <laughs> doing that wrong for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. well, it, just, it just reduces that steam it, where the cold water is in there. It, yeah. A little bit of cold water in there first will reduce that steam a little bit in the bathroom. Oh. Hopefully, you've got a good extractor fan in there that will get rid of that steam anyway. Well, I will have when my blooming extension is finished it's still waiting <laughs> oh, to be done <laughs> um, now lee it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you i just i've still got loads of questions that maybe we'll have to come back again another day and no go problem. through them but um obviously i'm sure my listeners will have lots of questions as well and maybe they've got damp issues that they haven't even thought about getting sorted so can you give me um some of the contact details and your website address so um you know we can get in touch with you so our website is www.bensleys which is b-e-n-s-l-e-y-s.co.uk you can email us at admin at bensleys.co.uk contact number nice easy one 01273 600 700 so um any of them will be uh easy contact to warn us and we're open from sort of generally nine to five uh, five days a week and are you on any social media at all we are on twitter um so that's at bensley's with a capital b i believe um and then i we're also on instagram that's bensley's ltd and i believe we're on facebook as well um my secretary becky runs that site for us um but uh, yeah you can find us on facebook as well so there's no excuse for not getting that damp and condensation no. sorted out. Definitely not. Definitely not. Any oh. issues that's come to us. Lee, it's been wonderful having you here with me today. So thank you to my guest, Lee from Bensley's. Lee, thank you, thank you ever so much. This is Heather Hilda Darling at Let's Talk Property on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM and DAB.
Thing. It's a house thing. <laughs>